Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. So usually the first thing that goes when you go commercial pilot, it's the landings. Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com. You're listening to the Commercial Pilot podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, the Ground School Academy. I want to encourage you to take a free, no strings attached, two-week trial of that course at m0atrial.com, M-Z-E-R-O-A trial.com, so you can check that out. We're talking about landings. Our YouTube videos you saw this week are about landings. Our webinars are starting to move for our ground swimmers towards this idea of landings. I saved this segment to talk about on the Commercial Pilot Podcast because something I noticed, I actually shared a little bit, alluded to this a little bit on last week's Instrument Pilot Podcast. Private Pilot, we're looking outside, we focus on maneuvers, we focus on landings. Instrument Pilot, it's all about looking inside and you don't do but one landing per lesson. You do a lot of go-arounds, a lot of missed approaches, but you don't do a lot of landings. Then you come back to Commercial Pilot, which has such a heavy component for making good landings. So when you're kind of rusty and out of practice with landings, but really good at approaches and really good at missed approaches and go-arounds, how can we get better? And I would argue that it wasn't until I became a commercial pilot that I became confident, not only in landings, but also crosswind landings. I always, man, I remember being an instrument-rated pilot and I would still shy away from crosswind landings. I would always pick. Uh, I was literally to the point where I was picking airports I was going to go to on my cross countries because uh, I needed the 250. I was doing everything part 61. I needed 250 hours total time. I was picking airports based on that they would have favorable conditions uh, to, to get in and out of because at Ocala, I just really had 1836. I also had 8 and 26, which was helpful in some instances. But if you know M0 history, you know I had a bad experience on runway 26 which is where I uh, missed the runway by probably two, 300 feet right before my solo landed in the grass. And talk about that can shake you up quite a bit. That was still fresh in my mind back then. And, and literally flying today, I landed on runway 26. And <laughs> you gotta have that same, that same flashback that approaches ingrained forever uh, in my brain. Anyways, I'm rambling now. I wanted to share with you really three tips to improve your landings. If you've been following M0A for any amount of time, you've perhaps heard these before, but I want to continue to reiterate them to you. Three tips to improve your landings. The first is this. A perfect landing starts with a perfect traffic pattern. How can you expect, how can you expect to have an amazing landing when you treat each and every landing so differently? Allow me to explain one particular traffic pattern, you're flying like you're a jet or you're a World War II bomber. You are way, way out. You're like a mile and a half out, two miles out on downwind. The next one, you're about a half mile on downwind. You're super, super tight, probably too tight. You're flying like you're a helicopter in a traffic pattern instead. Where is that happy medium? Find that and fly that for your airplane. But a perfect pattern just isn't the right downwind. It is flying that rectangular course appropriately. Turning base when you should, turning final when you should, no trapezoids, no, no rounded turns, no rolling out early, rolling out late. Gosh, rolling out late can really hurt you. Rolling out early on final hurts you too. But rolling out late and realizing you're rolling out late, you're low, you're slow, you got some flaps in there, and now you're doing a steep turn at 600 feet to try to line back up on final. It's just not worth it. 
You can go missed at any point. You can go missed on the downwind, on the base, on final, on the upwind. It doesn't matter. You can go missed and start that approach over whenever you see fit. You overshoot and blow through final, you should really consider just going around. And it's hard to humble ourselves to do that sometimes. A go around is not an omission of failure. A go around is an omission of sound decision making is what it really, really is. So think about it that way. A perfect land starts the perfect pattern. Uh, any sports fans listening, next time you're watching basketball, the player at the foul line, before they shoot their free throw, what do they do? Well, it's, it's their routine, but they do the same routine every single time. They bounce the ball twice, they spin it once in their hands, they bend their knees, they shoot. Every single time, they do the exact same routine, the exact same thing. Look at some professional golfers lining up for a putt. You'll see them go through the same thing every single time. Tennis fans, if you're a Rafa fan with tennis, you've seen Rafa every time before he serves. He has this crazy routine. You, you think he's you know got bugs on him or something. He touches this, he does all this crazy stuff. That's his routine, to get him not only in the state, but to make every single serve the same each and every time. Why should our landings be any different? Your downwind, no matter what airport you're at, should be about that three quarters of a mile to half mile, maybe that's a little tight, depending on the airplane you're flying, from the runway. Turning the turning base at that same 45 degree point. Turning final, rolling out perfectly. I know wind changes, I know weather changes, I know left and right traffic changes. That's Those are just factors we have to deal with. But so do in sports. The home court advantage changes, the tennis court changes from grass to clay to hard court. These all factors change, yet they follow the same routines, right? I'm not trying to turn you into a professional athlete, but I'm trying to get you pretty darn good at making your landings and a perfect landing start with a perfect traffic pattern. Next is our airspeed. Airspeed is king. I say this all the time. <laughs> people, I say it so much, people have made Jason Shepard memes with airspeed is king um, underneath it. So I apologize for, for sharing it so much, but it is truly that important. What should your airspeed be and maintain it? For us, it's pretty standard. If I can be 90 on downwind, 80 on base, 70 on final and slowing to 65 on short final, life is good. That is a, a perfect pattern and realizing that airspeed is king and managing my airspeed throughout that pattern, I am giving myself the upper hand, I have the recipe, I also have the syntax, syntax, uh, my, my IT people know what syntax is, it's doing the right things in the right order. I could, I could manage my airspeed, but if I manage that out of order on a big traffic pattern, you still have to have the right things in the right order. So the right order is get our patterns down first, realize airspeed is king, and following those things in that right order for 90, 80, 70. Again, that's my airplane. It may be totally different for your airplane. It might be 85, 75. You just have to figure out what works for you. Because there's also power settings that play into this. You know, when I get a beam my point to turn base, carb heat power back to roughly 1700 RPM, similar to like a run-up RPM, 10 degrees of flaps. And make sure I start that descent because a tendency is when I add those 10 degrees of flaps and the nose kind of wants to sneak up a little bit. I have to be very mindful of that and watch that. Look at the VSI, make sure I'm truly starting a descent down. By the way, everything I've explained so far, you can chair fly. You can chair fly every single thing we are talking about here. So consider that as well. Then as we turn final, 
the last little piece of the puzzle, and perhaps the most confusing, the one that has caused the most controversy, is to ditch the word flare from your vocabulary. Let me explain before you think flare. What do you, what do you, what do you mean get rid of flare? Let me explain. I, this came from my teaching back in Jacksonville, Florida. I was in a 172, I can't remember if it was 59 Quebec or 80 Mike at the time, and I was teaching a student and he was he was doing great. Everything's good. It was our it was our first little lesson. I'm very hands off for a first lesson. I will let the students take off. I'll let them come in and you know kind of give a uh, an attempt at a landing. I'll be watching on the controls. I'm not afraid to let them bounce it in a little bit or anything like that. It's it's actually quite humbling sometimes and good uh, um, to let that happen. So I was coming with the student, coaching him down. Everything is looking great. Then we get to what would have been that flare. And I used that word. I said, okay, now flare. We were at 70 knots, 25 feet above the runway. Life was looking good. He flared by his definition of a flare. And I kid you not, the picture is burned in my mind of me in the right seat looking at him and literally taking the yoke, pulling it all the way back to his chest. He was a, he was a short gentleman, so his knees were all but like locked out on the pedals. He's pulling all the way back on the yoke, all the way to his gut. We went straight on up in the air. We went from 25 feet to 75 feet like that, as you can imagine. And my first thing was, okay, let's give it some full power, go around. And his response to me was, why did you do that? What, what, what happened? What did I do wrong? I said, well, you, you really kind of ripped it back. He said, no, I, I just flared like you told me. So we came back around. I said, let me show you a landing. I showed him a landing. And we talked about it on the ground. He said, Jason, when you said the word flare, my only, this is him speaking now, my only recollection of a flare is this is when the space shuttle was still flying. He said, I would see the space shuttle come into land. And the space shuttle, the news reporter said, was flaring on its landing. Or Jason, when I'm flying with the kids and the wife and we're going on vacation and the Delta pilot flares on landing. I've sat up front before. I felt how much higher we are on that landing. And that nose seems to hang forever until it finally touches down. And that's when I had, I put it all together. You see, to the general public, that, that is a flare. When we think of a flare, we think of an airliner. If you're, if you're old enough to remember watching the space shuttle, you saw the space shuttle flare. It really, the nose didn't hit the ground until the parachutes came back out, right? The nose was up there for quite a long time. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go find some videos of, of, of the space shuttle actually landing back at Kennedy Space Center. You'll see it. I realize the general public's conception, or perception, I'm sorry, of a flare is what we do commercially for the most part. A Cessna 172 doesn't flare. You flare a Cessna 172 like that, you're gonna end up hitting the tail on the ground first, right? Instead, I had to find another word. And the word I changed that with is the word transition. We transition, what do we transition to? We transition to slow flight down the runway. Why do we practice slow flight? I'm getting ahead of myself now, and I'll be sharing more about this in the coming weeks, especially on YouTube and Facebook with some videos showing this. Slow flight down the runway. Why do we practice slow flight? We practice slow flight to get better at our landings, to show you that the ailerons are sloppy, that the rudder still has some effectiveness, to show you that, to learn how to control the airplane at the slow speeds, literally the brink right before you actually touch down. If you want to get good at your landings, practice slow flight down the runway. Configure like you're going to land, but then give it a little power at the last second. Just hold yourself just inches off the ground. Slow flight down the runway. So we don't flare, we transition. 
we transition to slow flight down the runway. That's why I want you to get so good at uh, practicing and changing your verbiage. I imagine you're working on your commercial pilot certificate. Maybe you already are. Perhaps you're gonna be working on CFI in the near future. Consider that with your students as well. Using the word, let's transition to like slow flight down the runway. Transition our eyes down the runway. And I'm not advocating, let me be very clear, I'm not advocating a three-point landing by any means. The main still touched down first, followed shortly thereafter by the nose. That is what I'm actually advocating and teaching with that. Transition. Transition the nose up slightly. Transition your eyes down the runway. It's only a degree or two up is that nose. And then that nose falls after the mains. So our three tips for better landings, we want to make sure we're flying that perfect pattern. A perfect landing starts with a perfect traffic pattern. Next is airspeed is king. And lastly here, ditch the word flare from your vocabulary. Instead, work in the word transition. And what are you transitioning to? You're transitioning to slow flight down the runway. Commercial pilots, thank you. Thank you so much just for continuing to make this a top podcast in the aviation category uh, on iTunes, continuing uh, to push uh, M0A uh, as we continue to grow and continue to become uh, a, a market leader. It's, it's because of you all. You all are such a blessing to our vision, to our cause, to our purpose, to what we do every day. If there is anything, anything at all we can do this week to help make you a safer, smarter pilot, please, 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 hesitate to reach out. Enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, the good pilot is always learning. Great day, guys. We'll see you.